So I'd like you to just create, create this image in your mind. You're, let's say we're in Rome on this beautiful sunny morning, and we're walking up towards St. Peter's, the Vatican. And as you come into the square, uh, this enormous square, uh, you're encircled. We're encircled by uh, these enormous uh, columns that uh, gather us around the ellipse there. It's done by Bernini back in the Middle Ages. And, big marble columns that just circle the whole square, like arms reaching out to us, uh, which was the intention to say, this is, the, this is Holy Mother Church gathering you in. This is Christ gathering all to himself. And there is St. Peter's, the church. And as these arms come out from it, we realize the church itself is in a cruciform. It's the shape of a cross. So this cross then, Christ reaching out from his cross to gather all to himself. And then as you go in and you go down this enormously long nave to the, to the center of the cross uh, is the altar. And under the altar, uh, or above the altar, is this enormous canopy made out of bronze, done by Bernini as well, back in that day. And... What we realize is that there's this tremendous symbolism taking place, that here's Christ gathering us to himself on his cross, bringing all into one with him, and it's accomplished by that sacrifice, which is at the very center of the Eucharist, where Jesus gives birth to his church, but also marries us. What does he say from the cross? It is consummated, consummatum est. That's marriage language. The cross is the marriage bed. It is, is uh, Fulton Sheen would say, nuptials, I tell you. It's nuptials. And to, to, to put the finer point on it, that canopy uh, is, is designed to look like a bed, you know, four po a four-post bed with drapery and uh, this enormous bronze thing, it, it looks like a canopy. And there under it is, 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 is the altar. And at the base of each column, the facing of each column, so there's eight pictures or sculptures of these angels, or an angel, and it's in a progression of childbirth. So this little angel, this, the face, it's peaceful, and then it becomes a little stressed and more stressed and in pain and great agony and great pain and until the birth, and then all of a sudden it's back to peace again. From the altar, from the Eucharist, Jesus is giving birth to his church, but he is marrying his, us, his bride. Huh? And, the, and the fruit of that marriage is the church. So the great symbol is the Jesus reaching out through the columns, pulling us into his cross, into this marriage. Okay, now hold on to that. We, we, we see uh, in the first reading today, David, and you know, there's, a, there's a little history here in this short reading. Uh, Judah and Benjamin, the two southern tribes, Jerusalem and uh, that area, uh, have been at war with the 10 northern tribes. It's a civil war. The 12 tribes are fighting. The 10 north against the two south. The two south are led by, by uh, 
David and the, the, the 10 North was Saul. There was a rebellion and Saul was, you know, they were finally Saul is dead. There's no successor in the North as a King. And so defeated the 10 Northern tribes come to David. They come to Jerusalem and they say, you're, you're our King now. We're coming and we're, we, we are going to give ourselves to you. But notice the language. It says, the tribes of Israel came to David and Hebron and said, here we are, your bone and your flesh. Okay. Interesting. What does that mean? Where else have we heard that language? Go back to the beginning when Adam, after having received the garden as his sanctuary, as is the master of creation. God has given Adam all the work to do. God is sharing all his work, priest, prophet, king, son, bridegroom, to Adam. Adam is put into a deep sleep, and between the sixth and the seventh day, uh, he is given Eve. And when he wakes up from that sleep, he sees her. And what does he say? There you are, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That's, mar that's the marriage. All right, that's the first, the primordial marriage is God's covenanting us to himself through a marriage. And it's that marriage that is going to carry God's inheritance and our redemption throughout human history. It is always about the marriage. First word spoken in scripture from, from Adam, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It is marriage. What are the last words spoken in sacred scripture in the book of Revelation? The spirit and the bride say, come Lord Jesus. And everything in between, all of human history is carried by the marriage. It's amazing. And so, to push this a little bit further, as I said, Adam had received all of God's work to do. To share in God's work was the great dignity of man as we get to do what God does. Priest, prophet, king, son, bridegroom. He was the master, the king of that sanctuary. He had dominion. He was a king. And at the center of the garden, though, was a tree, tree of knowledge of good and evil. And that was the one thing that God withheld from, from Adam and from us. What does that tree represent? Who gets to decide what is right and wrong? Morality. That is proper to God and God alone. God is the king. He has the authority. He shares everything in with us, except we don't get to decide what is truth. We don't get to decide what is right or wrong. That is for God and God alone. And it is for us to submit ourselves to that authority because we are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Now, that got messed up. Adam and Eve said, I don't want somebody telling me what to do. Nobody's the boss of me. I get to decide my own truth. I get to decide what's right and wrong. That's where it started. It's called moral relativism. Now, uh, this last uh, couple weeks, I've been teaching the eighth graders. I teach them on Tuesdays, uh, religion class. And we've been talking about freedom and the two types of freedom. Uh, the, the, the worldly freedom that is so pervasive today uh, and the freedom that God intended for us to have. The freedom that is so pervasive is called freedom of indifference. 
And freedom of indifference means I'm indifferent to objective moral teaching or, or, or morality. I don't acknowledge that there is a, 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 a truth beyond my own decision, deciding that there's no, this exterior where God is saying, this is truth and you, you are bound to it. You don't get to decide it. Tree of knowledge, good and evil. That's for me and me alone. Freedom of indifference ignores that and says, I get to decide myself. Nobody's the boss of me. I am going to determine for myself who I am and what I'm about, and I will, I will make up my own truth based on my own feelings and what I want for myself. And we know that's true. We, know, we see that, how that gets played out in the culture. Uh, we can decide everything, even our, even our own gender. Huh? And, it, and so that's freedom of indifference. And we think... That's true freedom because nobody's telling me what to do or nobody's putting any kind of binding obligation on me, so I am free. But the problem is, and the irony is, that the more I adhere to that freedom of indifference, the more of a slave I become because I become a slave to my own feelings, passions, and biases. I become a slave to that license. Freedom of indifference. Now, freedom of... The other one is freedom of excellence. Freedom of excellence is that freedom that comes to me when I submit myself to the authority of the king, when I submit myself to the truth of the, tr of the tr a knowledge of good and evil, when I do what I ought to do, not what I want to do, freedom of indifference, but what I ought to do. It is, it is given to me to follow. But what is given to me to follow is also given to me as grace. And grace allows me to practice that submission to the king and the objective truth that is given to me to follow, that is not made up by me, but is real and outside of me and unchangeable. I can, by grace, discipline my intellect and will, how I think and how I act, to that truth by practicing virtue. Practicing virtue with grace over and over again till it's done by me, not as an obligation, it is an imposition, but it becomes something easy. To, it's like breathing. It has become who I am because it is a Christ who is alive in me. I have put myself on my own cross and crucified all those selfish inclinations, and I have died to myself so that Christ might live in me. And so that thing which seems as a slavery because I'm being told what to do now becomes ultimate freedom because I'm doing what I ought to do, but it is done with ease because Christ is the one in me who is doing it. One seems like a slavery, but it is freedom. One seems like a freedom, but it is a slavery. And it is, it is the choice we all have to make to come to the king and say, you are bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh, and we submit to your authority. That's what they did with David. Now, David was a type and it is now Jesus who, as the ultimate Adam, the ultimate David, the priest, prophet, king, son, bridegroom, par excellence, who has totally submitted himself to the will of the Father and now has been given to us for us to acknowledge as our king. Why? Because he saw from the cross every sin that had been committed, was being committed, and would be committed. He saw all the dark forces of the freedom of indifference unleashed in the world, all the abuse of truth and the 
ignoring of the dignity of the human person. He saw it all, all those dark forces which do not want to let us go, and he brought them into himself, like the arms of Bernini's columns reaching out to pull us into the church, to pull us into the altar, to pull us into the fruit of the cross, where Jesus reigns from his throne. Huh? It's our choice. That's our freedom. We get to decide whether we are going to stand at this throne and submit ourselves to that authority and to say, you are bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh, and we belong to you. You are the one authority. That tree of knowledge of good and evil now becomes the tree of the cross. And there we stand. There we prostrate ourselves before his authority and say, I will serve you and you alone. Freedom of excellence. That's our, that is our calling. Where, it's a, we can quote scripture. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where is your sting? And the answer? Into the outstretched arms of the everlasting liberating king.